This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, October 11th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Congress is supposed to provide serious oversight of NSA surveillance. According to U.S. Representative Justin Amash of Michigan, that hasn't happened. He puts the blame for the failure in part on congressional abdication, but also on the intelligence committees that have made meaningful oversight more difficult. He spoke at Cato's NSA conference held Wednesday. Thanks so much, Jim, and uh, thanks to Cato. They thought it was appropriate after having a few highbrow segments to have at least one lowbrow segment here in the middle of the day. So I want to uh, thank you all for having me here today. Uh, you've ha- this is an amazing conference. I mean, we've had uh, Ron Wyden here. Uh, we're going to have uh, Jim Sensenbrenner uh, later in the day. Uh, Ron Wyden is uh, a person who... Uh, I've really grown to admire because uh, he serves in, in some sense as a congressional whistleblower. Uh, he's a person who is, in some sense, uh, letting us know what's going on uh, through some of his questions, through some of the clues. And uh, he really got us to the point where we could do something like the Amash Amendment and get a lot of support. Uh, Jim Sensenbrenner is one of the key authors of the Patriot Act. And he's someone I came to know during this process. I I came to develop a better uh, relationship with. And um, he was genuinely astonished by what was going on uh, by the NSA. And uh, I remember uh, going to his office and uh, asking him for support on my amendment, and uh, I thought I was going to have to really pitch it hard, but I walked into his office and he said, I'm going to support your amendment. And then he uh, proceeded to uh, talk to me for about 20 to 30 minutes about why my amendment was important. And uh, coming from someone who is a, a key author of the Patriot Act, I think that's really significant. Um, he, when, we, when we brought that amendment to the floor, Uh, He initially wasn't planning to speak on it, but actually on the day of the vote, he came to me and he said, you know, I really need to speak on your amendment. I'd really like to do that. So I immediately shuffled him to the front of the line. We had a long list of people who wanted to speak on that amendment, and we moved him to the front. Uh, It was obviously going to go, I was going to speak first, it was my amendment, uh, John Conyers, the ranking uh, Democrat on judiciary, was going to speak second because we, we brought the amendment together. We're working our, our uh, mutual sides of the aisle. But uh, I had to have uh, Jim Sensenbrenner uh, speak next, and, and boy, did he make an impact. I think he helped us uh, get quite a few people at the end there, and we came just short. Uh, we've had amazing reporting done on this issue. So I, I want to say thank you to the reporters out there who have covered this. We've uh, especially had um, fantastic reporting from The Guardian. They've done tremendous work on this. Uh, we've also had uh, fantastic reporting from another of a uh, number of other sources, uh, Washington Post, New York Times. Uh, there's been uh, a lot of reporters out there who have done fantastic work. And we've had uh, law and technology experts who have spoken up, who have fought on this issue, have made a big impact. I know some of you are here today. Um, 
and that's been wonderful. And uh, another organization that I've, I've worked with on a number of issues, um, which is sometimes hard for people to believe because I'm a conservative Republican, but uh, the ACLU. The ACLU has done fantastic work on this. And uh, I've been proud to fight uh, on their side on a number of issues, but this is, um, this is something that's critically important. It's something I'm, I'm uh, probably most proud uh, to work with them on. So when you look at the um, Patriot Act, you have to understand uh, how, how it works, okay? So it was allowing the federal government to collect tangible things that are relevant to an investigation. So uh, there are lots of problems with the Patriot Act. I voted against the Patriot Act. But what we discovered during this whole NSA controversy was that this was one of the biggest problems. That the secret FISA court, which is almost completely unaccountable, has very little oversight, was interpreting the word relevant to mean basically everything. So instead of collecting tangible things on people who are uh, actually under suspicion, they were collecting the phone records and, as we learned, the email records of every person in the country, which, of course, is uh, an astonishing expansion of the word relevance. And that's how we got to the Amash Amendment. We said, look, we want to return this standard back to the way Section 215 was supposed to be interpreted. And that's why I had people like uh, Jim Sensenbrenner uh, on board with it. And all my amendment did was require that there be a reasonable collection, a reasonable connection between the documents collected and the person under suspicion. So uh, it would have eliminated the bulk collection of these records. Now, what do we, we have intelligence committees in Congress. And these intelligence committees were formed to provide oversight of the executive branch. That's why the intelligence committees are there. They're actually supposed to be Congress's oversight of the executive branch. They were uh, created in the 1970s. There's supposed to be a check on the surveillance state. And uh, what we found in practice is that actually they've been working hand in hand with the executive branch. Time and again, the intelligence committees have not been the friends of Congress, but the opponents of Congress. And when we've had uh, secret actions being undertaken by this administration or the previous administration, you've had the intelligence committees essentially covering up for the administration. And there are a lot of examples uh, that I can describe in which the intelligence committees tried to uh, really hinder Congress's work. When you look back at um, 2011, I just got into Congress, and uh, we were going to have a vote on the reauthorization of the Patriot Act. And the administration decided, we've, we've come to learn because these documents were declassified, the administration decided that it wanted to provide a document to all members of Congress about uh, the outlines of these surveillance programs, the uh, email program and the 
phone records program. Just an outline, it wouldn't have given you enough information to really understand what was going on, but it would have at least uh, brought the issue to people's attention. And so the administration said, this is the Obama administration, said, intelligence committees, we're providing you th this document so that you can share it with members of Congress so they'll have a better understanding of what we're doing. Now, the Senate Intelligence Committee, to, our, to the best of our knowledge, based on all the documents and evidence we've seen, did share that information with senators. But the House Intelligence Committee decided that it wasn't worthwhile to share this information with members of Congress. Now, what they'll tell you is, and I've heard this repeatedly from the House Intelligence Committee, well, members have an opportunity to come in and we have classified briefings and they can come in and ask questions and uh, their questions will be answered and we think that's a better way to share information. Well, of course, if you've ever been to one of these classified briefings, which I know none of you have, but I have, you'll find that it's just a game of 20 questions. So you go into the classified briefing and you're not really provided any information in the intro. So you have people come in and they might speak to you. They might be from the administration. They might be from the intelligence committee. They'll come speak to you about uh, the, the topic of the Patriot Act, for example, or uh, the um, FISA uh, Amendments Act. And they'll come speak to you about this topic. And uh, then they'll say, any questions? And they're speaking about it in generalities. They're speaking about these topics in the way that you might already know about them from the newspaper or in the way that any ordinary person might already know about them. There's no, there's no, there's no real information provided. At times you'll learn uh, something that, is, uh, that the public doesn't know about that's frankly not that surprising. But you're certainly not learning anything that, is, that seems out of the ordinary given the laws we have on the books. So you don't know what questions to ask because you don't know, you don't know what, uh, what the baseline is. You don't know, have an, any idea what kind of things are going on. You have to start just spitting out random questions. Uh, does, the, does the government have a moon base? Does, <laughs> does the government have a talking bear? Does the government have a cyborg army? If, if you don't know what kind of things the government might have, you just have to guess. And it, it becomes a, a totally ridiculous game of 20 questions. If you ask something in slightly the wrong way, they will tell you no. They'll say, no, we don't do that. Or no, that agency doesn't do that. Maybe another agency does it, but they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you no, uh, you know, this agency doesn't do it, but this other agency does it. Or no, we can't do that under this program, but we can do it under this program. They don't tell you that information. They'll just tell you, no, we can't do that. Or no, it doesn't happen under that program. Well, you don't know what the other programs are. So what are you going to ask about? So it becomes a, a, a ridiculous game of 20 questions. And I've, I had one colleague, for example, who went from briefing to briefing asking variations of the same question. So he'd go to one briefing and he'd ask the question, they'd say no. He'd go to another briefing, ask, uh, ask the question with a slight change. 
You know, maybe the subject changed a little bit or the object in the sentence. They'd say no. Uh, by the time he got to like the third or fourth briefing, he'd figured out how to ask it the right way. And uh, in that case, then they say, oh, yeah, you caught us. Yeah, we do do that. And uh, I remember uh, one particular briefing where that happened, and, and uh, hey, he, he caught them. Then he said, well, do you have some documentation on this that we could take a look at? He said, oh, we'll run it up the chain. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can give that to you. And we said, okay, maybe they'll provide this to us so we can find out more about this, uh, this topic. Well, I, asked, I went back to my office and I said to my staff, you know, sounds like the Intelligence Committee might share something with us. Um, be on the lookout for uh, an email or something to alert us to when we can go uh, take a look at this, um, this document that they want to share with us. And uh, we get nothing through our email system. There's no normal, e our normal emails. You know, if, if the Intelligence Committee or anyone in Congress wants to share something with us, you know, come down to have a briefing on any topic, whether it's intelligence or armed services or any other committee, they'd send you an email to your normal house email. So I personally would get an email saying, there's a briefing tomorrow, come check it out. That's the ordinary course of business if they really want to share something with you. And um, we got nothing like that. I didn't see anything in my email. Then at some point in the afternoon, one of my staff members says to me, hey, we got this strange thing through the dear colleague system. Now the dear colleague, there's a dear colleague system in Congress where uh, members used to write each other letters, dear colleague letters, where they'd say, you know, they'd, they'd hand them office to office. And um, it'd say, like, please sign my bill, you know, co-sponsor my bill or sign my letter. Well, now it's all done electronically. And there's a, a dear colleague uh, sort of electronic system. And uh, frankly, it's, it's almost like a spam box. There's, because everybody, you know, there's 435 members in the house, and everyone's got an idea or a letter. So it really fills up. It's almost impossible to notice anything in there. Um, you, it's, it's almost always by accident that you notice something interesting in there. So, uh, but one of my staffers who was uh, being very thoughtful about this, I, I said, please be careful and look out for this, found an invitation to take a look at this document in the Dear Colleague system. So not through the normal email system, not through an email to all members of Congress or all House members come and view this, but through the Dear Colleague letter system. So uh, this was in the afternoon on the day before we were all scheduled to um, fly out of town. We had votes the next morning, and then we were going to, people were leaving uh, town to go back to their districts. And uh, the letter said, uh, there is a document that the uh, Intelligence Committee wants to share with you, and it will be available for your member to view between 9 a.m. and noon tomorrow. 9 a.m. and noon. And this was around the same time we were gonna have votes and then we were gonna leave town. So people were all ready to go on their flights and, and all the rest. Not exactly the most ideal um, situation. Well, I, I go back to the um, house floor and uh, I say to my colleagues, did you, did you um, see this invitation to check out this document? They're like, what are you talking about? We didn't, there's no invitation, nobody sent anything. 
I said, yeah, we found it. We found something. So on the morning uh, that, that, that they're having this briefing, I say to my colleagues, hey, um, why don't you come down with me to this briefing room? They're like, whatever you say. Um, you know, they, didn't, they hadn't seen it. I said, trust me, there's, this, there's a briefing going on. They said, okay, we'll go down with you. I go down to the briefing room, and the members who are in the briefing room are just the members that I talked to. Nobody else was in there because nobody else had seen the invitation to come view this document. And we had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which prevents us from talking about the document with any of our colleagues. So, a handful of us saw this document, we got to read it, and we're not even allowed to talk to any of our colleagues, who all have, they all have top secret clearance, but we can't talk to any of our colleagues about this. And that's it, that's the last that's been heard of. And this is the kind of stuff that's going on in our government right now in terms of oversight. There's very little oversight. The intelligence committees have become uh, they're, they're basically working with the executive branch against the interests of Congress. And uh, I think we have uh, a real problem that we need to address here so that members of Congress have uh, real oversight. And um, that's why I, I know Jim Sensenbrenner is coming later today. He is working on legislation that I think will uh, get us to a much better place. It's a, it's a it's not the end point of where we need to be, but it's a great start. And, uh, and with that, I want to just open it up to questions, and thank you again for having me here. Justin Amash is a Republican congressman from Michigan. He spoke at Cato's conference on NSA surveillance Wednesday. You can watch the entirety of that conference at our website, cato.org.